Greetings, my friends. It's Mark Overson. Today, I'm shooting from the hip. It's the morning, beautiful Arizona morning. I'm outside in our courtyardish, and there's like a tractor in the fields behind us, so maybe that'll be loud. But um, what I'm doing this episode on is kind of a run-through of just what I experienced this morning in terms of my ultra reading. I like to... Uh, I was eating breakfast and drinking some black tea. Matt came in real quick. We have we have a shit ton of work to do, um, probably as much as I've ever had in my life in front of us in the midst of projects and right now. So my phone's blowing up, my Facebook's blowing up, my email's blowing up. Um, you know, it's just the nature of when things are growing, like that's how it feels. But anyway, I still spend a couple hours almost every morning kind of fueling myself with thoughts, vision, creativity, kind of putting on my spiritual armor, putting on my vision. Because when my vision is really, really big, the annoyances and the mosquitoes and the inevitable BS that happens on a daily basis, really they just like little bugs on the windshield when I have a huge vision. If I jump into the day and I start dealing with those bugs, they seem like monsters. And so this is something I do to protect myself, fill up my creative well a little bit, um, a little bit of my spiritual well. And just and I just simply enjoy it. So it's not just for the rest of the day. It's kind of because I really enjoy this part of the day. Well, anyway, so what I did was I just pumped it. I just read through a bunch of stuff, and I'm just going to share what I got out of it today and how I think there will be some application that might be useful and I'll share what the application is for my life in it. So, so the short story is, um, I've been reading a thousand and one nights. The it's called Arabian nights and some it's a Persian King. It's a story. It's a really, really cool story of a Persian King who found out his, his, uh, brother's wife cheated on him. And then he found out that his wife cheated on him, a queen and so he was just raged against all women. So he, every single night, would have a virgin brought to him, so the story says. And he'd, you know, commensurate the wedding, and then he'd kill her in the morning. And he did this every day. And eventually a brave, hot, smart woman came to him and started telling him a story the night of the wedding. And then she cut the story off. And the next morning, he didn't want to kill her because he wanted to hear the next story. And then she did it again. And then she did it again for a thousand and one nights. And by the end of the thousand and one nights, through the medium of story, he, his heart was transformed. He allowed her to live. And he re- really restored his sense of love and belief and humanity and life and women. And... So it's called A Thousand and One Nights. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. It's just, and it really came onto the English scene kind of when, like, the 1800s, kind of like Laura Ingalls Wilder, almost kind of like dry, boring, hard, you know, realistic um, nonfiction was kind of the dominant thing. And then Arabian Nights burst onto the scene, and you got flying magic carpets, you know, Aladdin's lamp comes from that. And, uh, Sinbad the Sailor, and you've got all these genies and talking animals. And so when Arabian Nights hit the scene, it was just like a total, uh, it just absolutely took off. And and it's still 
infinite, very famous to this day. So anyway, I've been reading that. But this morning, it reminded me of the Persian king um, of Esther, because the book of Esther was based on a Persian king who was throwing a magnificent party. And his queen, Vashti, he summoned her. She was having a party with the girls. He was having a party with the guys. And she wouldn't come. And then that so displeased the king and their... Therefore, Esther was given this opportunity to basically rise up, save, uh, marry that king, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, here's let's get to the point. So here's the point. I'm reading, and in the first chapter, there's this line where it says, and the king, and this is a Persian king, this is about 500 BC, give or take, and he said they served drinks, so he had this huge party for basically, it was like a world party, so dignitaries from all over are, are there, and hospitality is always interested me. My grandparents, my family, hospitality, like we'd have 25, 30 people around for Christmas, uh, dancing, laughing, uh, beer flowing like water, just presents and shrimp and lobster. And just, I, we weren't like rich, but we partied when it was the holidays. Like we really, I really grew up in a festive, amazing, gosh, it was just it's so special. So anyway, hospitality is always it's kind of my inheritance, and I've wanted to improve upon the hospitality that I was shown. And so anything with partying it gets my attention. So there's this line where it says, The Persian king served drinks in golden vessels, each vessel being different from the other, with royal, with royal wine in abundance, according to the generosity of the king. So basically... Uh, my takeaway from this is, you know, we we have parties. We have probably quarterly parties, and these are these are parties I'll spend a couple grand on, and you know, mountain of shrimp, um, varieties of drinks of all sorts, cigars of all kinds. You know, just I, I like to throw the parties. A couple little hints with parties: we like to have a lot of activities and games going on in the midst of the party. So we have a bumper pool. We have darts. We have we will set up a painting station with all sorts of acrylics and easels and canvases, and then we have instruments all over the house. We have sound rooms where you know company can go and dork around on weird instruments they don't see, like African box drums. And it's really I'm in I'm in a little form of earthly paradise when we have these parties and everyone's just enjoying it and. So I've just taken that model on for myself, A, because it's really fun for me, and B, it's like a respite. It's like, you know, on earth as it is in heaven, I kind of see that our guests, you know, and they've self-reported many times, they'll come and they'll leave the party, and it's like, that was just, I don't know, it was like something out of this world. And that's what I want to create deliberately. And so anytime I see party stuff, my eyes just really cling into it. So here he's saying he's got these goblets, right? And they're golden goblets and it's unlimited refills and it's free for the attendees. So I'm thinking to myself, I go right away into Etsy, uh, which is an online site where they'll make custom stuff. And I'm thinking maybe we'll get custom goblets for our most common guests. You know, like when, when the relationship goes from, you know, there's the outer courtyard of relationships, then there's the inner courtyard, then there's like the holiest of holies. Like those are your bros, those are your sisters, those are your those are your lifers, right? And so I just imagined, you know, vividly imagined having custom goblets for a bunch of my friends. And when they come over, you know, we pour the we pour the this ain't your grandpa's 
root beer in there or the wine or the drink or whatever the elixir may be. And so that was just a takeaway for me. So, okay, I don't know if there's any value there. Maybe there is. But from a party hosting, you want to throw a great party, have many, have varied um, stuff to do, right? So we have a little putting green. Like we, we have so many little things to do that the party can't fail. Like it's not possible because nobody's just sitting around drinking beer, barking at the TV. Like I hate that stuff. I don't hate that. That's totally arrogant. I don't mind that. I do that once in a while, but it's just a boring, boring environment for me. So anyway, food for thought on that. So I read the first couple chapters of Ezra or of Esther and got some great value for there. And then um, the king, once he marries uh, Esther, throws a feast for Esther. And then I got my mind thinking of for maybe one of Shani's parties coming up for her birthday or whenever, like we have a, a feast of Shani and, you know, flying a couple of her friends and treat her like the queen, you know, treat her like a queen. And so those kind of thoughts and what started a lot of that thought was there was a, there was a theologian that talked about in Armenia, which is old, old, old Europe at the weddings, they used to have, um, the couple hoisted up on chairs and, and all their friends and the brides and the, or the uh, bridesmaids and the groomsmen and, and the families would hoist these chairs, which were symbolic for thrones and the wedding symbolized a new king and a new queen. And so I, I read that as a young kid before I was married. And I always thought that that was what a, what a home could be like. It was a private kind of sovereign kingdom and with a king and a queen. And so I've taken that metaphor for myself um, to whatever level is, you know, just whatever take from that. All right, moving on. Um, then I read some Rolling Stone. So New Rolling Stone has Bruce, uh, Bruce Springsteen interview, and it was really marvelous. And one little thing about the Rolling Stone that I really admire is they have a, they have a really strong political agenda, and I caught myself in self-awareness going, gosh, why is this magazine doing this? But I really realized their political agenda isn't my agenda, therefore I wanted to criticize it. But I gave myself over to like, it's their magazine, they can do whatever the hell they want. But the article with Bruce was amazing. One of the things he talked about is he said, if because he, he wrote this autobiography, and he talked about if you don't unpack your past, pretty soon it gets really, really heavy on you. And it just gets hard to keep going forward. And part of his writing the autobiography was kind of a digesting and a processing of his life up to that point. Got me thinking about myself ever since I was a kid. Like once I got out of grade school, it was like eighth grade. You know, we had a bunch of trophies and prizes and things that you could collect as a kid. And in those days in the 80s, you had to win to get the trophy. So it was a little different than today where kids get trophies just for breathing. But but I remember when I was in eighth grade, I packed, I put them in a box, every trophy I earned um, from baseball, basketball, everything. And I packed them in a box and I put them up in the attic and I said, I'm not a kid anymore. I'm going into high school. And I remember uh, through high school, I got a bunch of awards and medals and had a nice little high school run as well. And I remember when I was done with high school, I actually cried. It was kind of funny thinking about it but I'm out in this country and I pack everything up again all the trophies all the awards all the newspaper articles everything I pack it up and I say I'm not a high schooler anymore it's time to be an adult and then you know 
the adult, the trophies came pretty slow <laughs> as an adult. <laughs> but I remember, you know, just reading Bruce's, the article was so good, the early parts. At the end, it goes straight political, and it's kind of annoying and irritating at, at whatever level. But And I was going to stop reading it. It's this funny, just self-awareness thing when we're reading things and they're not in our, you know, cut or whatever to just go, ah, I'm going to put this way. But I really said, you know, Mark, grow up a little bit. Read this to understand where he's coming from a little better. And then I walked out of it and I actually got some value from the article, even in that respect. But with Bruce, a couple things that were just um, so awesome. You know what? I'm going to just say, okay, so here's the takeaway for me from that. Um, my old assistant um, hasn't worked for me for seven years and we were great. We, we, she came, she was a buyer initially and then I hired her on weekly and we worked together for three, four years straight. Um, she was fantastic. It was, gosh, her and her husband were just amazing, but we loved, I used to play Thunder Road on piano and we bonded how much, uh, it's a Bruce Springsteen song, how much she loved Thunder Road and her husband loved Thunder Road and we loved Born to Run and we just, we bonded over, um, over Bruce a few times. So I just texted her while I was reading that article and I said, Hey, Hey, what's your mailing address? I got a little something for you. So I'm going to go to Barnes and Nobles right after I finish my workout and I'm going to buy her and her husband, uh, the new Bruce Springsteen autobiography. Now I don't care if they read it. It doesn't matter what, what it is. It's like, Hey, I remember the past. I remember how sweet that was. And I do that as much for myself as it is, as I do for her, as I do for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's she's just gonna get it. It's gonna be Bruce, and I'm gonna I'm gonna write in the inner flap like, you know, fond memories. Thanks for building my come up, and and bonding over Bruce. And maybe you read a few pages and like it. I'm gonna alleviate and, and deliberately alleviate any guilt because when you're given a book, it can suck because it's like, oh my gosh, I gotta read this fucking book. But I'm gonna alleviate that by putting, you know, even if you read a page or two and just get some new insight on one of our heroes, that'll be worth it. I just wanted to give you this because it reminded me of, of us. So anyway, I'm going to go do that today, and that's a little takeaway from that. And just from a friendship perspective, um, tiny little gifts, tiny, tiny little gifts, tiny little I'm thinking of you moments. Um, I get asked a lot how do you, you know, how I've kind of built my, my social life the way that I have, and that's how I've done it. Um, the Bible uses the word remember, hundreds of times, hundreds of times. I, I should, you could Google it to find the exact concordance. Um, depends on the translation and all sorts of things. But the word remembers in there all the time. And it's stuck with me as a kid. Just remember, like remember the past. One of my mentors, he's in Scottsdale um, and still a partner of mine. You know, he, he would say things like, I remember things. And I just believe in the past and, and a lot of our world right now doesn't believe in the past. And, you know, if, oh, that was a little run we did together and then it's over. Or, oh, we were high school friends and, you know, life moved on. And, of course, you're not going to maintain the same level of relationship you had when you were in college with your college friends or in high school with your high school friends or in elementary. But just that there's a link and it's like it's indissolvable. That's something that I, I want to believe in. And I want to manifest. So um, I'll do little shit like that all the time to my friends. Throw, send them a little stupid something. Mail them a cigar. And yeah, it takes 20 minutes. Yeah, I got to buy it. Yeah, I got to write the thing. And yeah, 
there's not endless hours in the day and blah 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 but anyway maybe there's some value for there try it for a friend or two years you'll you'll see your relationships blossom not they'll blossom from like old they'll turn from like old cactuses that are dried up or old flowers that are faded and you'll see when you do that kind of stuff that those things will transform into like oak trees all around you you'll have this network of love and peace and security and allies and you know it's a self-preservation thing too in terms of uh, social stuff all right moving on so that was rolling stone so you go from the bible to rolling stone why not um and then i went to read men's health and i like to i i read all the men's health but i like to get the uk version because um because it's quirky it's different and I, it's like a different perspective. They feature athletes like rugby stars and soccer stars and people I've never even heard of. Their ads are for different, you know, different ads for cars I've never seen because they're not in America. And I think online is probably the most likely place to get it. If you're in a pretty metropolitan area, a Barnes and Noble, select like, like if you're around the denser wealth areas, your Barnes and Noble will carry, um, UK version, but I love it because there's articles on like, what is it, what does it mean to be a man? Um, you know, with Brexit happening and all these things. And it's just, it's just different. And I, I find my mind stretches because being an American is just, I remember years ago I was reading theology and somebody said, have you read this uh, Australian uh, book? And I was like, shit, I've never read anything out of other than like the last 10 years of popular American authors. I'm like, what kind of lame perspective do I have on the world it's just I find you I find that myself I, I'll be I'm prone to be trapped in the now when you don't have perspective on a larger geographic thoughts and then also time so I like that's why the older I'm getting I'm getting more historically interested in stuff because I feel it grounds me from the Twitter verse and the Facebook not you know the Facebook just the winds of the time and I don't want to be just the winds of the time I want to understand the times and I I'm, I'm learning I'm able to understand times better by the history of thought um, so anyway a little food for thought on that but anyway digging into the UK uh, was really great so here's a couple takeaways I got one Canadian University does a study and they say three 20 second all-out sprints so that's 60 seconds of total sprinting three 20-second all-out sprints, is the cardio equivalent to 50 minutes of dorking around at the gym, cardiovascularly, not muscularly, not this or that, but just from a heart-pumping cardio, three 20-second sprints is the equivalent of 50 minutes of dorking out in the gym. And that was huge for me because I do my daily walk, and I'm going to go do a walk here, and I think I'm going to add three 20-second sprints. And the reason I do that isn't because it's like my end goal isn't like, well, I want to have a strong heart. No, my end goal is uh, ski season is very near at the time of this recording. And when you drop, like when I drop from a bowl and it's trees or whatever, it's like a, it's like a two minute nonstop. There's no stopping because the grade, the gradient of the mountain is too strong. There is no stopping and my heart has to be absolutely cardio pumping because if I fatigue on my heart and get tired and that goes into the leg strength like I'm hitting a tree I'm wiping hard and it's really pulling out of the experience so 
The reason I want cardio is so that I can nail that that line when I drop, and I can enjoy it instead of chug through it. And then that's why I do leg stuff too, is I want to be able to dance through that through that line and through those moguls. And so it's very functional. So you know, in this little self awareness thing, a lot mostly guys listen to this stuff is you know ask your ask your reason for working out and your reason for exercise like what's my real reason like if if i could just have a conversation with myself and cut through all the bullshit and nobody knows what am i really doing this for and i think what we find in the in the 20 year olds and that's like half of my audience is young 20s probably is you know you guys are in mating season right now and you're in like find a mate you know start like you want, you want some, you want to get some, you want to attract a mate, you want to be hot. And the reason that so many of you are going to become, now I'm not saying you, the listeners, because you guys are obviously way above average and superior in every way. Um, maybe I'm being facetious, maybe I'm not. But anyway, is once you secure the mate, what ha- I mean, what happens in the 30s? The, the pot belly starts coming in, right? And then the triple chin. And then the next thing you know, you're 40, you're 40 pounds overweight, you can't do anything you used to do. Why? Because your, your fitness motives from the start were temporal in that they were just to, to land a girl and to get some, okay? So I'm not saying to take away from that. I'm saying be as attractive as you want to be and, and all that stuff. But the longer tail and the more reasons you have for fitness, just like with wealth, the more reasons you pack on to become wealthy the more likely you will become wealthy. They've done studies on piano players, right? Like who who lasts the longest as piano players? Because if a, if a parent forces their kid to take piano because that's what you do, the kid has no vision for the future, yeah, they quit piano and by the time they're 30, 40, 50. They don't even touch it ever, never. It's over. It was a childhood experience. But the piano players that continue p- playing piano, they were from the start, they were... Told, they they imagine themselves as concert pianists or leading the church worship or whatever. And so with our kids with instruments, what I tell them is, you know, we'll have we'll have big instrument moments at the house where everyone's playing something and we kind of form some songs and stuff. And I'll say, hey, I want you guys doing this with your kids because how great was this? And everyone's smiling and laughing. I said, hey, carry this thing on, right? So you know what? You might be in front of a thousand people leading worship someday. Like I'm painting a picture that's bigger than the moment because the moment is just, you want to own the moment, you want to be in the moment, you want to love the moment, but you also want to see what's the big play, what's the deep, deep, deep play. So even when we go on, um, like I'll sometimes because of Abraham and Isaac, you know, he took them up the mountain in the old story and prayed with them and then, you know, he's going to sacrifice them or whatever great story on that on that old story is I was teaching that to kids one day the Sunday school kids years ago and a little little five-year-old girl raises her hand so Abraham takes his son Isaac up to a mountain to uh, offer sacrifice was the vision which is the equivalent of worship prayer etc and uh, but God told him to sacrifice Isaac his own son and it was you know that's quite a dilemma to basically murder murder slash sacrifice your son then god provides a ram caught in the nettles and you know everything's fine but this little five-year-old girl raises her hand and goes does his mother know about this 
so freaking funny. Uh, meaning, did the mom know that, you know, dad was taking the kid up to, sec to offer him to God? <laughs> it's really funny. All right, so where am I at on this thing? So anyway, when it comes to fitness, um, I think a lot of the reason people people can't, people don't last, and there's there's a shit ton of study on this if you look anywhere around it, is if you're losing, you know, 10 pounds because you got your high school reunion coming up, that's snappy. You're just going to lose 10 pounds and then gain 10 pounds right after. Or if you're losing it because you're going to go to an event and you want to look good, it's whatever. But I, a couple key things for me with fitness, I remember I was reading that old men, like when you're 80, they have a hard time getting out of the chair because their core is weak. And then if they get in a car accident, I remember reading that fit guys that get in car accidents, um, and this doctor was reporting on it, you can just tell they come out of the car accident way faster. They rehabilitate, they uh, rehabilitate to health way faster. And so once I read those two things, that's actually what got me really interested in health was I don't want to be 80 and I can't get out of my chair. And I said, I don't want to, if something happens to me, not be able to recover and endure from it. So I actually had this really long-term perspective. And it's, it's kept me sustained where a lot of, a lot of health things are kicks here or there. And, and, you know, so, all right. So the UK, that thing was huge. Um, functional fitness, kind of going a little wild on this subject. But here's a couple other things from the UK men's fitness or men's health. Um, the Journal of Neuroimmune Pharmacology. This was crazy. Cinnamon, uh, they did a study with cinnamon and they gave cinnamon to mice and what they found was there was a higher concentration of protein involved in memory and learning. And basically, it's, cinnamon cemented the effects of memory filing. So not only did cinnamon heighten the moment in the sense that um, one of our highest triggers for memory is actually smell. That's why when we go into the basement of an old house, we'll smell it and we'll be like, oh, it smells like uh, grandma and grandpa's old house. Or... Or a scent can bring us back to childhood or whatever. Scent is one of the highest triggering memory things. But it, I always love it when, a science, when there's science to back up stuff. But for me, it's of peculiar interest because cinnamon, I use cinnamon all the time. I eat it. Um, I love essential oils and cinnamons and stuff like that. But cinnamon was one of the fragrances in the house of the Lord and in the Old Testament. And so whenever stuff's in the Old Testament, I always kind of like geek out on it a little bit. But what's really cool is it was there, and I was thinking in the act of in the act of worship, it heightens the act of worship. So if you're doing meditation and stuff like that, um, I want to recommend a couple things that are ancient as can be. Add elements to the meditation, so it's not just you in your mind just trying to clear out and get into some clear zeny place. That I mean, whatever whatever your model is, go for it. But if you add things like scent. Um, incense, cinnamon sticks, um, a little bit of smoke, possibly a drum beat, these kind of things. You, you whip up an environment that's so conducive that your mind wants, your mind actually lusts for that kind of environment. And cinnamon was involved in, in worship in the Old Testament and you know New Testament churches. That God forbid they do anything other than talk. But anyway, um, uh, it sounded a little dorky, but Cinnamon, I don't know. I just went nuts on this. Basically, that if you're studying, here's a practical thing. So if you're meditating, 
play with a little bit of cinnamon. It'll help you heighten that moment, but also recall the memories of the experiences you have in that moment. So that's cool. The other thing is if you're studying, uh, toy with having a cinnamon, um, a cinnamon kind of, it's not a decanter, but it's a little essential oil wafter in the air thing. You know what I'm talking about. So just, that was a takeaway. And then the other thing was uh, from Plante Medica, uh, turmeric, uh, turmeric, however you say that. It's got great blood pressure reducing effects. Anyway, I've been getting into that. We put it on, you, know, you can put it on chicken, you can put it in rice, you can put it on vegetables. You can, I mean, turmeric, you can just put a blop of it in water and make it into a tea with some green, whatever. It's just got a lot of value. But what's crazy is they did this study and its blood pressure reducing effects jump by 2,000% when black pepper is mixed with it. 2,000% more absorbed for blood pressure reducing effects, which is wild, which got me thinking that, you know, some people, friendships are like black pepper to turmeric where you'll have one person and on their own, they're just kind of whatever you add a friend, that friend brings out the absolute best in who they are. And it's like, there's this synergistic third compound made when good homies get together and so that kind of got me thinking of that, but then it also got me thinking of, um, I'm doing a ton more spices in my life. And I, I, I would say in the next decade, you'll see, um, you'll see in American literature as much about spices as we see about protein today. And time will tell if I'm telling the truth and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, what I'm sensing is that we're going to see a massive resurgence of the power of spice India's been doing this stuff forever. They are thin. They, I mean, look at them. Look at how thin they are. And part of it is their absolute addiction. They do spices by the handfuls. And then if you look at our food, we do a little bit of table salt, like, and maybe some pepper. And it's just, it's a very bland thing. So I think food and spice will take a massive resurgence in the next decade just to see if it happens. Anyway, the last thing I'll share and we'll get out of here is uh, I'm having fun. I mean, this is this is decent stuff. So this is before I deal with an absolute firestorm of issues in my business, which I'm, maybe I'm just avoiding by doing this podcast. Well, anyway, um, one of them was, it was, a it was a men's health with UK participants on how you study or how you measure personal success. And what they found was that. All right. So we're just going to kill it. I was at 30 minutes. And while I was in mid sentence, because I was outside in my courtyard and I didn't have my computer plugged in and I wasn't paying attention, my computer died. And I thought I lost that whole 30 minutes. So I, you know, I don't know. Thank God for Mac. I come back in go to my office, plug in my computer, and it's saved. So I don't know, ScreenFlow, thank you, Apple. I don't know what miracles you pulled off there. But I'm just going to kill this podcast right now. I think that was a sign. But yeah, I was in mid-sentence right there, and uh, my screen just went black, and that was the end of it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Minute with Mark. Love you guys. Peace.